This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Preston, episode 141, Love Your Body. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for goal-getting, fear-facing women who are kicking ass by creating change. I'm your host, Lindsay Preston. I'm a wife, mom of two, and a multi-certified life coach to women all over the world. I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire, we must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me as I challenge you to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you are meant to be. Let's do this. Unstoppable, another replay episode coming at you. Again, these are old episodes from my former podcast called Life Lovers Radio that we are putting back out there into the world during a time when I am taking a much needed break during this winter season. And today's episode is actually the very first interview I ever did in my podcasting career, and it was with Rachel Tenney. And in this interview, we talked all about loving our bodies and falling in love with them. Gosh, I think Rachel and I recorded this back in 2017. And um, it's been cool to see Rachel's journey too. She actually does a lot of affirmation cards now. And that's what she primarily sells about all kinds of things from body love to other things. Um, So you'll have to check her out. Of course, link in the show notes to do so. But this interview is great. It's timeless. It's one that we need on repeat so many times to fully integrate falling in love with our bodies because the world loves to tell us time and time again that our bodies need to change. So I won't keep chatting your ear off because this is the intro on the intro. You'll hear my old intro here next, and then you'll hear the amazing interview with Rachel. Enjoy. Hey there, life lover. I have got a surprise for you today. But before I spill the beans on what the surprise is, let me tell you what this episode is all about so you can see if this is your jam. So when I decided to do the theme of February being all episodes about increasing love in your life, especially self-love, I knew that I wanted to do an episode about falling in love with your body. And I think it can be really rebellious and really revolutionary for a woman to make that step and say that they want to fall in love with their body because women love to sit around and talk trash about their bodies. And it makes us almost bond with each other. Like, oh, I hate my arms. Oh, I hate my legs. And we have a good giggle about it. And If that's your jam, that's totally fine, but I decided one day that I was over it. It wasn't helping me. It wasn't making me feel better to sit around and criticize myself, and so I started to make choices to fall in love with my body, and trust me, it was not that fun some days, and yes, did I feel like I was really breaking these barriers by doing that, but I'm so glad that I did because it's opened me up to having deeper connection with others, to being more present in the moment because instead of worrying about what I look like, I can just be myself, and it's just made life more enjoyable. It's made me fall in love with life even more and feel fall in love with my body and realize I was given this body 
as a gift. And, and to instead of criticize it, look at it as a way of a vessel of being here. Now, I can't blame you and I can't blame myself for once hating my body because look around us. We are constantly told how our body should look. Our arms should look a certain way. Our legs should be a certain way. Our thighs should never ever touch. Our breasts should be big, but not too big. Our booty should be nice and firm, but way not too big, right? It's just overwhelming. It's all the time. It's constantly surrounding us. And Women are constantly scrutinized for their body of, oh, she hasn't lost the baby weight, or oh, look at her here, or oh, this is when she was thin. And it's just, we've got to stop this. It's just not helping us. Now, I have done an episode way back in the day in season one of Life Flowers Radio about falling in love with your body. And this time I wanted to do a different spin on it. And I didn't know necessarily what that spin would be when I set the intention I wanted to do this episode. But one day I'm waking up out of bed, half asleep, and all of a sudden this name pops into my head. And that name was Rachel Tenney. And Rachel's been someone I've been following on Instagram for at least a couple months, if not longer. And I love Rachel. She has an amazing energy. She just is electric and she's really down to earth and authentic. And I've been following her from afar. And it was weird that when I woke up that morning, Rachel's name popped into my head because I just didn't have any intention of doing interviews on the show. But I know to trust that voice. And so I did. And I reached out to Rachel. And luckily, she said yes to coming here on the show today. And I'm so glad that she did because this interview is rocking. So let me tell you a little bit more about Rachel. Rachel Tenney is a licensed therapist and artist who is based in Columbia, South Carolina. Her specialty is working with women who are recovering from eating disorders or women who she calls on the fringe, which she'll talk about what that means because many of us might fall or have fallen at one time into that category. She's the leader of the hashtag my body is enough movement where each month she showcases women who share their story on how they found acceptance on loving their body flaws and all. She also has beautiful artwork to support this movement and that showcases her hand illustrated and lettered designs with funky fun yet impactful phrases like it's okay to be a glow stick. Sometimes we need to just break before we shine and surround yourself with tacos, not negativity. This interview with Rachel is powerful and it's really flippin' fun to listen to. You'll walk away from this episode with a new understanding of why you think the way you think about your body, along with a simple and easy way to start loving your body more today. So without further ado, here's the very first Life Lovers Radio interview with the beautiful Rachel Tenney. Rachel, I am so excited to have you on the show today. I told the listeners a bit about you in the intro, but I'd love for them to know even more about you and why you've decided to focus a part of your counseling practice on teaching women that their body is enough. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey in life thus far and help us understand where you got to where you are today? Yeah. First of all, hi, everybody. And thank you, Lindsay, for having me. It's an honor to be your first guest on the show. Woohoo! So I guess I'll start way back in the beginning. So if we rewind about 20 years, I remember, this is the first time I kind of remember people talking about bodies or my body or anything. I remember being younger and being at a sleepover with a bunch of friends from elementary school. I can't honestly remember exactly what grade I was in. And we were in a girl's 
basement for a sleepover and everyone was watching TV and hanging out. And then one of the other girls, which we can, we'll just call her a mean girl because everyone in middle <laughs> or elementary school or high school knows this girl that's kind of the ringleader of the group and just wasn't really nice. And she went around all the girls in the room and decided if they were skinny or fat. But oh I don't God. really know how she decided this or what she decided. But when she got to me, she said, I was fat. And I remember that being the first time that anyone had ever called me fat. And I don't know if you remember being a little girl, but usually little girls are kind of pudgy. And I look back on the pictures, I'm like, I don't even think I was really fat. But at that moment, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I just remember wanting to shrink back as far as I could. And I'm pretty sure I called my mom and said I was homesick and made her come pick me up. And that was that. And I don't really remember what my relationship with that girl was like after that, but that totally impacted my self-confidence for sure. So if we'll move forward a couple years, that was probably when I was like seven or eight. Um, when I started middle school, I was always pretty thin naturally, but when I started middle school, I went through puberty kind of early and all of my friends were still little tiny sticks. And I remember developing breasts and developing like wider hips when I was probably in sixth or seventh grade and not just like little tiny boobs, but pretty big boobs, like from the get go. And so again, I kind of felt that instinct to kind of shrink back and hide. And I remember um, being around my friends and just feeling like I was super tall and just super big compared to them. And I just didn't like feeling like that. So I decided I was going to go on a diet because that's normal when you're in sixth grade. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, I remember even just looking online and people saying, well, you should stop eating this or you should do that. Um, and I decided I was going to go on a diet. So in, in middle school, I started writing down everything I ate. And I remember I would weigh myself probably, I, I don't know, like maybe once or uh, probably once a day. And I would write down everything I ate and write down the number on the scale. And so my goal, and I mean, this is not hard to figure that out. If you eat less, you lose weight. So over the course of probably about a year, I lost like maybe 15 pounds. And I started to be pretty thin. Um, I started to be thin enough to the point that people started to be concerned about what was going on. And I also, around that same time, um, was diagnosed with an issue with my thyroid, which made my thyroid overactive. So I also lost weight because of that. And I got really sick and had to miss a bunch of school, but also kept really not eating because I was determined that I wasn't going to gain weight just because I had to lie around all day and rest. I, at some point, got better enough from my thyroid disease, and that was kind of more manageable. And I started going back to school. And this is probably, I would say, ninth grade in high school. And I just remember every single day after school, the first thing I would do is go to the gym. And I would go to the gym for probably an hour. And I would stay on the elliptical for about an hour. And then I would go home and usually go to sleep because at that point, I really was limiting what I was eating, but still working out quite a bit. And I just got really tired. Like my hair started falling out. I just felt really crappy all the time. Uh, my mom, this is the fun part of the story. 
where the plot twists, but my mom is actually a therapist. And so she realized that this was much more than just my thyroid causing me to be sick, that I was starting to develop, I guess, eating disorder behavior. Mm-hmm. And at that point, my weight, um, to meet the criteria for anorexia, this is uh, just a side note, you have to be, I think, 80 or 85% of your body weight, or at least that's what the diagnosis was at that point. Now that they've removed that criteria, so you don't have to be a certain percentage underweight to meet it. But I started going to a counselor and I started going to a meet with a dietitian. And I remember one week they were just trying to get me to eat a banana. And I'm like, absolutely not. That's not what I'm planning on eating today. So I didn't want to do it. Um, And it was painful and miserable and I hated going to my counselor. So I would just sit there sometimes and not say anything because I was a really bratty, difficult teenager. And I would just kind of look at her. And when my hour was up, maybe I would have said a couple things to her and maybe I wouldn't have. Um, But my mom was super... um, on it. And I definitely credit her with me not developing a full-blown eating disorder or ending up in treatment because she intervened before I could get too out of control. Um, But I still struggled. Like even after I started kind of more normal eating behaviors, I still really struggled with feeling like my body was too big or whatever. And it really wasn't. Um, but it was kind of like this disillusion that I had thinking that I was so much bigger than my friends. And I, even after the fact, have gone back and looked at pictures from high school and realized like, wow, you were skinnier than all of them. But in my mind, I didn't believe that. So just kind of struggled all throughout high school. Um, when I graduated from high school, I went to college and I remember the first time I went to college like to eat a meal in the cafeteria there was so much food. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy how much food there is here. And you eat all the time. I definitely gained the freshman 15. Um, but at that point it was probably necessary for me to do that. So I don't even think that that was a bad thing, but um, just really started to enjoy eating for the first time in college, which is really interesting. Cause up until that point, I had just seen food as kind of not necessarily a bad thing, but I would only eat basically to live. Um, but I didn't actually enjoy any of the food I was eating. So I ended up going to a school in North Carolina. And if you know anything about the South, if you guys are listening and you're from the South, everything is fried. (laughs) There's a lot of sweet tea and it's really delicious. I'm not going to promote whether that's good or bad because I don't really now think that food is either good or bad, but I just started like really enjoying food. Um, And so at that point, I think I had probably gained like maybe 30 pounds from the weight I was in high school, which honestly I needed to gain about probably most of that anyways. But I just started to worry less about what my body looked like and kind of just be more focused on doing the things I loved and enjoying those things. So um, that's kind of a synopsis, I guess, of my own story a little bit. But after college, I started working in human resources. And my degree was in psychology and art therapy. I thought at some point after my very difficult experience with a counselor, I was like, oh, maybe I should be a counselor. I don't really know why in my mind I thought that since I didn't like counseling myself at that point. Um, But after working in HR for a few years, I decided, okay, I want to be a counselor. Um, And I think it's been something I always felt really called to help people and inspire people and use my own struggles to help encourage other people to kind of live their best lives also. 
but I started grad school and I left working in HR and this is really funny and I totally don't think it's random either that this happened, but probably my second day after quitting grad school, I had applied like to little part-time jobs online, but I got a call from an eating disorder treatment center and they said that they were hiring and I said, well, you know, I just started grad school. I'm not a therapist or anything. And they said, well, we have other positions that you can do kind of in the meantime. And I was super anxious and nervous, but I'm like, okay, let me just see how this goes. So that was about three and a half years ago now. And I started that job and I started working, kind of doing direct care, which basically means that I would do groups with patients and I would be with them all the time and I would sit with them and eat with them. And even though that job was super, super difficult, it fired me up and um, kind of ignited my passion to help women learn to love themselves. And I never imagined kind of even after my own struggles that I would necessarily want to work with people who had an eating disorder. It just kind of fell into my lap. And so I kind of just ran with it, honestly, and became super involved in both my jobs and then did internships in eating disorder treatment centers and really just fell in love with being able to help, um, I would say mainly women, but there were some males also, but be able to help these women learn to love their bodies. And I also began to realize that there are a ton more people out there in the world that have a similar experience to I did that maybe they weren't diagnosed with an eating disorder and maybe they didn't necessarily need to go to treatment for their eating disorder, but they super struggled with body image and self-esteem. Maybe they've constantly been on diets or have um, been over exercisers or all of those things. And I began to realize by even talking to my own patients that that was super similar to their experiences, that everyone they knew was on a diet. Everyone's mom had told them they needed to go on a diet or lose weight at some point. And for some people, that kind of just ends up where my situation ended up that became kind of obsessive. And then for some people it crosses the total line and becomes an eating disorder. And so my focus became not just on working with people with eating disorders that are diagnosed, but working with women who are what I call on the fringe. So people that have characteristics and symptoms of an eating disorder, but it may not be full fledged yet. So that's a little bit about how I got to where I am today. Wow, Rachel, I have so many questions for you. Okay, first okay. off, we both have a background in HR, which I didn't know, which is so cool. That's um, awesome. Yeah, so within a few years of HR, I too was like, okay, I want to do something different. And that's when I started going to coaching. So that's so cool. The second thing, I'm so curious to know, you said in college that that's when it kind of shifted and you love the food and you just found more enjoyment in eating. You know, what was it that was going on in your head to allow you to make this shift? Do you remember? That's really interesting. I actually um, had just never seen food as like something to enjoy, which is kind of weird because most people just like really like eating or really enjoy food. Um, I remember watching, I don't know, are you familiar with intuitive eating at all? No. Okay. So this is something really cool to check out and I can even send you a link to put in your show notes about it. But basically intuitive eating is the idea that your body knows what you're craving. And a lot of times we stop those cravings by calling like a certain food good or bad. Like if I really wake up one day and I'm like, I want a cheeseburger. 
Um, that's usually because my body is deficient in something and I need to eat whatever is in the cheeseburger. Um, and so basically it's like the idea that you follow what your body is hungry for, but you also follow when you're full or not. And so for a long time, I would ignore my hunger cues that I was hungry on purpose, basically to stay thinner. But in college, I just started kind of listening more to my body. I started really becoming interested in intuitive eating, the practices of intuitive eating. At one point, I actually thought I should be a dietitian, which I'm kind of glad I didn't go that route. Um, but basically, the whole idea is that your body knows what it wants. And so for me, it just became more that I started listening to my body and what my body was telling me it needed instead of overanalyzing, is this bad? Is this going to make me gain weight? Are there too many calories in it? Kind of. So my mindset kind of just shifted when I started practicing the idea of seeing food as what fueled my body and that no food was either good or bad. Um, so intuitive eating is a whole nother topic I could probably talk yeah. about. Well, it's so interesting because it relates to what I'm told as a mama with my little one, you know, now she's six, she's not that little, but grow, you know, she's learning what she likes and doesn't like, and to never really force her to eat anything per se is this one theory that's out there because intuitively they say kids know what they should eat. And if they don't eat broccoli that night, no big deal. They'll get what they need throughout the week. So that's, I love that. And I've never thought of it in a way that it's something that you could do past childhood, I guess. Um, so it's so cool that you found that Rachel. And are you saying that that's really what shifted it for you? Absolutely. And yeah, that's so funny that you said that about your daughter, because one of the things that intuitive eating basically says is that people as children, that's basically the only time we eat intuitively. And then after that, we hear so many messages about what we should or shouldn't eat and what we do and don't need to eat or all of that, that we forget to like listen to our bodies basic hunger cues and full cues that tell us when to eat. But yeah, that definitely is what helped shift my mentality for sure. Wow. So is that really what you're saying is like the core of what allowed you to shift in that therapy was just kind of, you were too stubborn in your teenage ways? <laughs> no. Well, the first time I went to therapy was like not my own choosing when I was in high school, but I actually started going back to therapy as a college student and that was very helpful also. Oh, cool. So I should... I should add that back in that my first experience when I didn't, when it wasn't my idea to go to therapy, which I think is very true for most people, I did not really want to be there. But in college, I decided I really wanted to work with someone on some of these issues that I had. So that was super helpful. And um, so I would say a combination of that. Awesome. Um, yeah. The time I did therapy, it was much better. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so true that you can't ever force somebody to change. Like they have to make that change, but I'm so glad that you did Rachel, because now, you know, I hate these moments from childhood when you have these mean girls or things happen and you're like, Oh, I wish I could go back and just, it didn't happen to this person, but it's so cool now because now it's like ignited this whole movement that you've started and this whole passion and really a lot of your purpose for being here in the world based off just something this one girl said at a sleepover, you know, it's so cool. Thank you. Yeah, it is really, it's interesting now. And I don't know if you find this true for other things and other people, but I really believe that the things that happen to us basically happen. Um, and we have the opportunity to turn our kind of mess into our message. And this is totally the mess that has turned into my message. And I never would have imagined it kind of happening and unfolding like this, but it definitely has for me been yeah. able to take some of the hardest parts of my own life 
um, and then made me be more empathetic to others and the struggles that they go through as it relates to body image. Yeah, so true. I totally agree with you there. And if anyone's listening and you're in your own mess, just know there's a purpose for that. There's a reason. There's a day you're going to be grateful for it because it will become your message. Don't you agree, Rachel? Absolutely. I cannot agree with that more. Yeah. Well, how can our listeners know if they're a woman who's on the fringe and if they have that kind of low self-esteem and and hate towards their body? Because I know a lot of women just think it's like a normal thing to hate your body and live on these diets, but how do they know that they're really crossing over into a territory that could be dangerous? That's a great question. And I think you did a good job of saying that it's so normal to not like your body. Isn't that sad? Like that's super sad to me that we've created a culture where loving yourself is kind of weird. Um, there are a couple assessments online that are really helpful. There's one called the EDQ, which is actually an eating disorder questionnaire. And you can take that. It's a self-test and that will basically, it gives you several different categories. Like if you meet full criteria or don't, but I think another thing that's really important for women is just to be honest with yourselves. Like if you find that you spend lots of time a day thinking about what you're going to eat or not eat or working out or excessive meal planning. And I'm not saying any of these things are bad on their own because they're all great things. But if you find that a large portion of your day or even 20 or 25% of your day is focused on what you look like or what you're eating or what you're doing, then that's kind of a red flag for me that there may be something kind of else going on. And if you think about it, 20 to 25% of your day may not seem like a lot of it, but imagine what else you could be doing in those hours and in that time if you weren't thinking about your body or your body image or any of the things involving food or dieting or working out. So definitely look at the EDQ, but also just kind of check in with yourself and be honest. I know that that can be kind of scary to really acknowledge that you may have an issue. but it's super helpful to just kind of take a look introspectively and figure out where you spend a lot of your time and energy, where you spend your thoughts, what you spend your time doing. And is it really bringing joy into your life or is it causing you more stress and anxiety? Yeah. I love that you gave that whole measurement of the 20 to 25% because I know so many women that I've been around would qualify for that. Um, it just, it just consumes their thoughts. And a lot of times, you know, we don't know what we're weighed down by until we release it. Cause you talked about, you know, imagine what you could be spending that time on. So Rachel, what is this costing them in life to be focused in on their body more than 25% of their day? Well, I'll speak for a minute, just from my own perspective. Um, whenever I spent a lot of time focusing on my body or what I was eating or not eating, it cost me relationships. It cost me going out and doing things with friends because, and this is, I guess, another good example to check yourself on, but if you don't go out in social situations or you avoid going out to eat because you don't know what you're going to be able to eat, or you may have to miss a workout, like that's a sign that maybe something's wrong. And I think it also keeps people from having deeper relationships and more vulnerable relationships because there seems to be a lot of shame tied into our bodies and what we eat and what we do for exercise or the way that we look. So it can cost people relationships, time, energy. It can cost their own mental capacity. It can cost their hobbies and free time if everything that they're doing becomes about the way they look. 
Yeah. So really, in essence, it's costing them the joy of life of getting to connect on a deep level and show up. And, you know, it's so funny you brought up going out with friends because it just triggered a memory for me when I was in college. You know, I like you, I gained the freshman 15, but it wasn't really late. I should have been gaining per se. Um, and that was the first time I really had this body shame of, oh my gosh, I don't want to go out. Then they're going to take pictures and my clothes look all funny. And I just started to become this hermit. And I look back on those years and think, gosh, you missed so many opportunities on Z because you were worried about your body and you're just learning how to eat as a young woman, you know? Um, and it breaks my heart. And I know it does you too, Rachel, to see women still living that way where they're obsessed with the way that they look instead of getting what they want from life. Exactly. Yeah. And making it even deeper than food. Like, yeah, it's very sad if all you want to eat is a salad every day. There's nothing wrong with salads, but there's a lot of other good food out there in the world. And so you really do deprive yourself of not just physical food, but like the enjoyment of life that's adventurous. And I totally relate to what you said about kind of hermiting yourself. And that's not a way that I don't think any people really want to live their life because being an island is not the purpose of being a human being. So by not enjoying yourself and your body, you really do miss out on a lot of great things in life that you may not be able to have the chance to go back and do also. Yeah. And I love how you mentioned too about deeper relationships and even, I would say even career opportunities, because I know when I've been around women who are consumed by their body, they date people that they maybe shouldn't be dating. Um, and I was in that period of time too, when I hated my body, um, they weren't applying for the things they really wanted in life because they felt shame. And you, you mentioned that too, is that that shame is just so, um, can bring you down so low. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, Rachel, you kind of mentioned why your own hatred happened with your body. It kind of stems from different things in childhood that came about, but how can other women tap into why they hate their own body? Um, one of the things I always like to ask new clients I work with or just people in general, um, and maybe you'll be brave and answer it for me. We can try it out. Um, I like to ask people what the first thing they remember someone telling them about their body is because that's usually the most telling incidents. I actually posted this on Instagram the other day and asked people to send me a message about the first thing they remember someone telling them about their body. And it was really amazing to see how many people were brave, but it also really helped me understand that the first things people tell us about ourselves, we tend to kind of latch onto and believe, especially if we're children, because we haven't learned that we can think for ourselves and that those people um, who are usually people we love don't necessarily have, I guess, the best understanding of our value. And the sad part for me is that usually the people that tell us these mean or nasty things are people that say that they love us. Like mm -hmm. the majority of people responded saying that their mom or their grandma or their coach, or in like my, in my case, a friend or someone I thought was a friend said this thing to them. Um, so I don't know if you're willing to share yeah. the first thing you remember saying, someone saying about your body, but for most of us, it just sticks out like very intently. Yeah, it's so true because 
um, I do a similar exercise with my clients. We pull like their top 10, like worst memories of life. Oh, um, and so on my, yeah. So on mine, it happened to be a body one where I was in middle school and I share this story a lot. So if you guys have heard this, I'm sorry, but, um, I was on a, on a bus in middle school and all the girls were developing. Like I was so jealous of you, Rachel, if you would have gone to my middle school, I would have been like, Oh my gosh, she has curves. And I don't, I was like that skinny, awkward kid. And I would have been jealous of you. How funny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I thought, oh my gosh, maybe nobody notices that I'm not developing. And this popular boy on the bus said, you know, you're as flat as a board. And from that moment, I realized I took away that my body is weird. It's different. I'm not beautiful. And so I went through life, gosh, like 15, 20 years thinking I wasn't beautiful because I didn't have these big breasts. And it was huge for me to pull that. And, um, it shifted my whole view of my body. So what Rachel's just tell, told you here, I encourage you to go do because it will open your eyes and you'll see, like Rachel said here, our brain is not logical when we're kids. It's in this emotional way of thinking. We're not able to think for ourselves. And so we build these wires and we think, oh, we're not pretty. We're not enough. We're not this. We're not that based off something that we tried our very best to understand with the brain that we had. Exactly. Yeah. And all it takes is one negative thing. And you know that, like the power of believing one negative thing. I could have hundreds of other people tell me great things about myself, but I'm going to remember that negative one, especially when your brain is developing, which is really up until the point when you're 25, typically. So. Yeah. And it's, and, it, and it's not our fault either because our brain is just trying to get us to survive in the world. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's just saying, Hey, alert, alert. This is an alert here. And so we just latch onto that negative stuff. So it really takes going in and working with somebody to help you uncover this stuff. And when you do, I, I don't know if you agree with this, Rachel, but when you do, I find it, it's actually so much easier than we think it's going to be to release this stuff. And we realize, um, what we were thinking was going to be so hard is actually so much easier. Now we're free to live this beautiful life. Yeah. There's such a power. And I think you probably do the same work with your clients. There's such a power in even just admitting something and saying it out loud to another human being. And that's what I found through going to counseling myself. And then through being a counselor is that there's so much power in just even saying like the deep, dark things that you hold inside or being able to share parts of your story that then you can kind of release it out into the world and it no longer is like holding you down or weighing you down. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, side, side question for you there, Rachel, because it's so true. Is <laughs> that what was your inspiration to do the My Body is Enough segment on your blog? Yes. Um, that and also the fact that I think when one person is vulnerable and shares something, it also makes other people feel like they're not as alone too. So I wanted people to have a place where they could share freely their own experiences, um, not necessarily in a way to fix themselves, but in a way to kind of let go of some of that shame and guilt that they felt by keeping something a secret. And then also to share that so that other people can feel like it's okay to be vulnerable because for some reason we have this idea that all these dark, secret, shameful things People won't love us if we tell them these things or people will think we're weird and none of that's really true, but it makes me very sad personally to see when people are afraid to share kind of maybe some of their struggles when their struggles are really relatable. Yeah, it's so true. Do you happen to know offhand some of the stories on the blog that just little tidbits you can share with us from women? Oh, some of other people's stories? Yeah. 
Yeah. So I have had people on the blog write about actual diagnosable eating disorders, struggling through treatment. I have um, actually a bunch of posts that I haven't shared yet, but I'll give you a little sneak peeks of them. Um, one of them is about a woman discussing kind of how her body changed after she had a baby and how she spent a lot of time trying to get back to her pre-baby weight and like fit in her pre-baby clothes because that's what everyone told her she needed to do. And she realized like that was taking away from time spent with her child or her body was just never going to go back to how it was. And it was okay because she had grown a human being inside of her and she didn't need to go back to how she was. Um, that was as someone who hasn't had any kids yet, that was one of the most powerful ones. And that story will be coming out soon, but just kind of seeing the way that people, um, like there was another person talking about how her experience with gymnastics and having a coach who when she was younger, told her she was fat and she weighed like 90 pounds and was in elementary or middle school um, or people that were dancers. That's something that I've seen a lot is that people are really into competitive sports as kids struggle with body image because of the way that their coaches speak to them too. Yeah. So true. Well, where can they go and find all these stories if they want to go hear them? So if you want to go read the post, I post um, typically two or three news stories a month. You can go to racheltenney.com slash my body is enough. And you will see all of the different posts um, from each month. You can go back and read them. Yeah. I've, I've read just a few and I, I'm addicted. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so freeing to hear these stories. And like you said, know that you're not alone and however you're feeling about your body. So total side question for you, Rachel, why do you think it is that women struggle with body image more times than men do? I think personally, and you are more than welcome, everyone to feel differently about this, but I think that there's a lot more pressure on women um, to look a certain way. And I'm not sure where that comes from entirely. Not to say that men don't struggle with feeling that they need to look a certain way, but the amount of money even statistically that's spent to um, market beauty supplies to women is significantly higher um, and diets for women is significantly higher than the targeted marketing is for men. So I think there's just like this unrealistic expectation that we all have to fit into the idea of what the perfect body is or like what the perfect woman looks like. And I'm sure when I say that, you guys automatically maybe think of a model or something like that, but it's everywhere. Like as a woman, you don't have to look far. You can look at a magazine in the grocery store, or you can see something on TV. Um, a lot of the advertisements, and maybe now you guys will spend more time thinking about it, are directed towards women specifically. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a big believer too. You are what you consume. And, um, I'm really big into working out. I just enjoy it. And I followed a lot of fitness accounts on Instagram. And I realized I started really hating parts of my body when I did that because a lot of fitness models, they go and they get a boob job and I'm not a curvy girl. And so I would sit there and say, Oh, well, I can never have their body because I'm not curvy like they did. And I thought, okay, Lindsay, you know, better than this, you've got to unfollow this stuff because mm -hmm. it's not healthy for you because you're being fed something that's not in alignment with where you want to go. Um, so like you said, Rachel, you become more aware of it. Once you start to become aware of your own thoughts about your body, 
like I realized, you know, I had just been following all these curvy girls and it was just reaffirming that belief that I wasn't curvy. Mm -hmm. And I had to just release that and say, okay, I'm going to only follow fitness people who have the body that I have and want to attain. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. And I think we have that choice every day to pick what we expose ourselves to for sure. And I know for me, like reading magazines about dieting, is just like not something that I value and not something I want to spend my time on. And I don't think I follow any Instagram accounts about weight loss or working out. Not that that's not great things for some people to do, but I read something super interesting the other day about how do you know like all those before and after weight loss pictures? Yes. Posts? Yeah. And I think, I mean, I don't want to knock the hard work that they've done to get there, but the post was from a dietitian talking about how that's kind of like the most awful thing that we can do as women to each other is like say that certain body types are better or more valuable. Um, and people probably don't think anything about it when they're posting it, but if they are posting a picture of them before they lost weight and that's what someone looks like now, then that's not going to make that person seeing it feel very good about themselves. Yeah. That's so true. I've never thought of it that way. Ooh, mind blowing. Total new <laughs> awareness of that one. I'm never going to look at those the same. It's so true. Yeah. And you want, I want to obviously like celebrate people being healthy and people, finding things that work for them. But yeah, at the same time, it could be really hurtful to somebody else. And I hadn't thought about it either until I read that the other day. (laughs) Yeah. Or really just kind of glorifying, oh, well, she's a certain body type. Now she's in essence more valuable, which is a thing I think we tie into as women is like, oh, I'm more valuable if I look this way. Yeah. Like the, there's actually, there's a post that I wrote about that a while ago that we spend time valuing ourselves based on numbers. And I don't know how many of you guys listening to this can relate, but I have totally felt that if I was XYZ size or saw that number on the scale, that then somehow I became more valuable as a human being. And that's ridiculous because nothing about me changed. I was still the same person, but I thought that somehow being in a smaller size or seeing a lower number on the scale made me have more worth as a human being. Yeah. And that's why I love this whole, my body is enough phrase that you're starting in this movement, because that's really what it is. is It's when you are going against a lot of this societal beliefs or these things are programmed, you're saying I am enough exactly the way I am. And there's nothing I think more empowering than that of just walking in a room. And that is what is going to create opportunity for you and joy and connection because you're knowing no matter what you look like, no matter even the things that you have external, you are enough. So I love that you have that, Rachel. All right. So let's do a quick little fun intermission so that everyone can learn a bit about you. Can I ask you some fun questions, Rachel? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I already know the answer to this, but I know (laughs) the first one is, are you a dog or cat person? I'm like the crazy dog lady. Um, I have three dogs. They are sitting beside me right now snoozing. Um, They are the best and laziest pups ever. So I'm definitely a dog person. I've actually never owned a cat. So Wow. And you foster dogs too, right? Yes. um, We are, well, we've worked with a couple different rescues since probably I started doing this before I got married. So my husband kind of got suckered in. I do say we though, cause he definitely helps out. But over the last five years, we've probably had between 15 and 20 different foster dogs at various points. Not all at the same time. Don't worry. We're not that crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Well, what's your favorite book? 
Um, right now I'm actually reading two books and I'm diverting your question because I'm really bad at picking favorite books, but right now I'm reading the book called Uninvited by Lisa Turkhurst and I would highly recommend that. And I'm also reading a book called Tribes by Seth Godin. Um, both of them are, they're very different, but, um, I like to read a lot of nonfiction books. I like to kind of read not necessarily self-help books, but books that are encouraging. So those are both good books, but I really don't have a favorite book. <laughs> yeah. It's, I know who Seth is. Is his book tribes about like building your own tribe of people? To yeah. And it's like yeah. about, the, you would like this actually. It's like about the science of why we want to have community and why we're created to have people that we can rely on and be in relationships with. Oh, cool. Definitely check it out. Yeah. Well, what's something you love to do and it can't imagine your life without it? One of the things I love to do, this is the first thing that popped in my mind. It's not very exciting, but one of the things I love to do um, every day when my husband gets off work, we take the dogs for walks and that's kind of our time that it's our no cell phone, like leave your phone in the house so we can't be distracted time um, to walk with our dogs and to kind of catch up with each other and have a meaningful conversation. We started doing this probably five or six months ago. And if there's a day where he works late or I have something in the evening, I really miss doing that. So that's been kind of a nice way to connect with him more just besides the normal, how was your day conversation? Yeah. And you guys are getting out in nature with your pups. Oh, I can imagine how great that feels. Yes. Yeah. All right, Rachel, what does having a life you love mean to you? So to me, having a life I love means being able to go to bed at night and be so excited to wake up the next day that I can't stand it. And even if I'm not doing anything super exciting or going on vacation or whatever, it just means enjoying the actual normal parts of life just because you can create what matters to you. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, it's so funny because Life Lovers Radio, that's really what it's all about is helping people create a life they love. And a lot of times we kind of think, oh, well, if we have this or if we have a certain partner, this job or make this certain amount of money, um, that's what creates a life you love. But you realize that that stuff is just icing on the cake, that when you feel really good, like you said, and you have that passion and you know you're creating what you want, I think that's really what it's about. I totally agree with you. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Rachel, I got a fun one for you. What's been your favorite setback in life? Wow. So it's basically what we've been talking about this whole time. I think my favorite setback in life has been my own struggle to learn to love myself and my body because now it is the basis of everything that I do to help other people who are struggling with that. Yes. Love it. And it's so cool that you have taken that, found a purpose and now creating a meaning for it, which is awesome. All right. So what's one thing you do if you had absolutely no fear? Oh man. I try not to have a lot of fear to begin with and try not to let fear hold me back. But the first thing that I can think of, because this is something I'm totally afraid to do that my husband wants to do is he really wants to go skydiving and <laughs> I'm good at taking kind of more emotional risks. But for me, the physical idea of jumping out of a plane is terrifying. So that's probably a silly answer, but I would love to do that at some point, not necessarily because I want to, but because I think it would be good to conquer that fear. Yeah. Wow. That would be so cool. <laughs> Well, how can women start to support each other even more in life? I'd love to hear your response on this. 
Well, I think it's a shift in mentality. So what I mean by that is that I think a lot of times we even sit with our girlfriends and pick ourselves apart in front of them. And I think it would be totally different if our conversations didn't revolve around negativity, especially with our bodies. And if we started really encouraging and uplifting people more, and instead of feeling like there's a need to compete with people, we could walk beside them and realize that them being a strong woman and them being all of these great things doesn't make us any less. And that by encouraging and empowering other people, it in fact will, in fact will help build us up also. Oh, totally. I completely agree. And it's so interesting because I just had a client call before we're recording this interview, Rachel, and she's made these big mindset shifts from, you know, working with me and she's realizing that she just doesn't want to be at the table with some of her friends anymore because that's what they're consumed by is this is why life stinks and they want to beat themselves up. And it's, it does become kind of this lonely period sometimes when you do up level and you do change a conversation and you do change your mindset. But to anyone out there, I know there's fear sometimes around that, like, Oh, I don't want to lose my friends or, but I will tell you, it gets even better. You find people who are lifting you up and bringing you up and making life so amazing and cool. Do you agree, Rachel? I could not agree with you more. Um, there's, it's like not a scientific fact. I don't even know where it came from, but there's the idea that like attracts like, and what we put out into the world is what we get back. Like the idea that if we're negative, we're going to attract negative people. And so I think if we make the choice to be positive then those people are going to find us that are also positive. I don't know if you can relate to that in your own life, but I know for me, when my mentality, even about myself changed, I started to surround myself with people that were more encouraging and inspiring also. And yeah, that does suck when you lose some friends, but you will find people that are more supportive too by doing that. Oh, absolutely. And it's just such a better way to live, to Mm -hmm. be around that. And I know that Rachel, you're probably on the same boat as I am, as I want to help wake as many people, especially women up in my lifetime of, you don't have to hate yourself. You don't have to hate your body or anything about your life. You can have something greater. Um, And that's what I think is really going to help empower women and change the world because I don't know about you, Rachel, but I'm so tired of women bashing other women. I'm over it. I think it's, it's what's holding us back. And um, I love how you said it's really in our mentality is we've just got to find, you know, that we are enough and we can love ourselves and bring each other up. And that if someone's succeeding, it doesn't mean that we're not at all. Absolutely. And I believe that out of our own insecurities, we point out things in other people that we don't like about ourselves. So I think if people could take a hard look at some of the awful things that they say, they would realize that really they don't really care about what other people look like as much, but they're not happy with themselves. And so by working on ourselves, we can better love other people also. Oh yeah, completely. All right. Well, thanks for those fun little questions, Rachel. Got a couple more for you today about this body image and how women can start to love their, their bodies. So I want the listeners to be able to walk away with a takeaway exercise that they can do after listening to today's podcast. So what is one of the, your favorite activities that might help them start to love their bodies even more today? Well, I know that you talk about gratitude and about being grateful. Um, And I've listened to other episodes where you're talking about that. So one of the things that I think is most applicable that I have done this with lots of people and it's super helpful to them is to basically think about their body um, not as an object to look 
a certain way, but to think about the things that their body actually does for them. So I like to have people reframe negative thoughts about their body. Um, can you just give me one? It doesn't have to be one about you personally, but just like an idea that you hear people complain about their body and we'll walk through it quick. As we yeah. Can. So I'll give you one that I have come up with all the time is that, Oh, I'm not curvy. Okay. So you're saying like your negative thought about your body is that you're not curvy. Mm-hmm. So let's figure out a positive way to reframe that and be grateful for the shape of the body that you have. So I don't know if you can think of something positive about the way that your body is or something it does for you. Well, I always shift it to, I'm so glad I'm healthy. I'm so glad I'm alive. Um, I'm so glad I get to, you know, do the things I get to love with my body, like work out or play with my daughter, all those things. Is there a way I could take it to the next level, Rachel? I'm curious. Or even just talking, I think even something that you've said, I think those are all really good things. And I think you're very self-aware. So you kind of do that naturally, kind of reframing that. But to even be thankful for the, I guess, the curves that you do have and the way that you've been able to have a child and things like that tend to be really helpful for people. So for instance, like I've had people talk about how their legs, the thing I hear the most from women, I don't know why, is like issues with their stomach and their thighs. And so people, a lot of times will pick apart that they have really big thighs or that they have like tree trunk legs and just, I don't know, all these awful things. Um, and one of the most positive things I hear people talk about is how strong they are. Um, so I think a lot of times emphasizing strength and like what you said, health is super helpful for people to be able to see that it doesn't matter how curvy their body is, or if their legs aren't teeny tiny and they don't have a thigh gap, they can focus on the way that their bodies impact their life. And that they basically, they wouldn't have a life without a body. I mean, that's very elementary to think about it. But really, if we didn't have a body, we couldn't do any of the stuff that we wouldn't do. Yeah. And I I totally agree with you there. And I know another way that I kind of take it up with the gratitude is you and I kind of talked before we started recording about spirit is Mm -hmm. I think there was a reason that God gave me this body. And so I've got to figure out, you know, what that reason is. And so I get grateful to that of, I'm so grateful I've been given this body to live my life in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that there's no, one of the other things I say too, is that there's no wrong way to have a body. Like everybody has a body and the media and whatever we blame it on has given us ideas of what the perfect body is, but there's no wrong way to have a body really. So reminding yourself that too, I think can be really helpful. Yeah, for sure. Well, is there anything else you would like the listeners to know before we finish up today, Rachel? Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. We've covered so much. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I hope that you can walk away with hope that if you feel like you are struggling to love yourself, that you're not alone in that because tons and tons of people struggle with that. So I know both Lindsay and I would love to talk to you if you need any help and encouragement. Um, I'm actually in the process right now of creating a workbook for body image. And it's not necessarily for people that have eating disorders or have had an eating disorder. It's for people that were like myself that struggled with this for a long time, because I really believe that having a life worth living and having a life that you're proud of comes from first being able to love yourself. Totally. And it ties into our theme for this month, which is cultivating love for yourself. This is perfect, Rachel, that you ended with that. Um, So how can people reach out and get to know you more? 
Well, I spend a lot of time on Instagram, really. Um, you can find me. My um, Instagram is Rachel underscore Tenny, or you can find me at racheltenny.com. Or if you want to email me, you can email me at rachel at racheltenny.com. I would love to talk to you. Um, some of my favorite emails and DMs are people just kind of sharing their story with me. So I promise if you want to do that, you will not be bothering me. I love to talk with people. Love that. And y'all, you've got to go to our site because not only does she have stories from other women talking about their bodies enough, but Rachel is an artist too. And she has some amazing prints and mugs out there for my body is enough. And if you're listening to this episode live, we're going to do a little giveaway where one listener is going to win the mug of their choosing and some of their, the cards that Rachel has. But if you're not listening to it live, you missed the giveaway, go check it out still because she has some amazing stuff. And I love it because not only is it pretty, because y'all know I love pretty, but it's great reminders of those moments when you're having, you know, where you don't feel enough or you're thinking about something, you know, about your body that's negative. You can look at those prints or you can pull out that mug and drink from it all day and it will help shift your mindset. Um, and Rachel just has some really cute ones on there. Some that are really funny. Um, like what's the one with tacos, Rachel? <laughs> it says share tacos, not negativity. <laughs> yes. I love that. It's just so cool. Y'all have to go check it out. And then on her website, they can also get in your email list, right, Rachel? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So y'all have to go check that out. I'll have all the links in the show notes as well. Um, but thank you so much for being here today, Rachel. I, I'm just so grateful that you are my first interview on Life Lovers Radio. As I told the listeners, I just felt really called to interview you today and for you to share this message because I know that if it just impacts one person out there, then it's made a difference. Absolutely. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. I feel like we could talk all day about this, but I hope for everyone listening that you can find a little bit of hope and encouragement in some of the things we talked about today. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Rachel. Absolutely. Hey there, Miss Unstoppable. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. If you enjoyed it, share it with a friend. Send them a picture of this episode via text, via email, share it on social media. I'm sure they would be so appreciative to know these strategies and tips on how to accomplish your dreams. If you are ready to guarantee you're going to accomplish your goals and dreams, then it's time to start coaching with me. In my nine-month simple success coaching system, I am going to walk you every single step of the way to ensure that you get the goals and dreams that you want. The first step is to apply for a free 60-minute consult call. Just go to lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com forward slash apply to get started. As always, my friend, remember... You're only as unstoppable as you believe you can be. So believe in yourself. You got this.